this week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Oh, look at it. He got his comeuppance. He got his comeuppance. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season six, episode 20 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Villains. As well as Gilmore Girls, super cool party people. They're quite different, um, these episodes. I couldn't tell them apart. Though there are some dinks, I believe. Quite different tones. Yeah, very different tones. Both have to do with an angry woman. Yes. Telling a man what she thinks of him. But one gets a little more violent. Yeah, Anna. <laughs> We're finally getting to what the whole season that both shows have been teasing, right? Like, they've been setting up this anna Lorelai conflict, and we're finally, like, getting it a little bit here. Mm-hmm. And then in Buffy, likewise, we've been setting up this Willow dealing with her magics situation yeah and we're finally seeing the result of that i said that willow was gonna be the big bad yeah and i gaslit you and said it wasn't what was gonna happen i don't remember when i said it or what i said so if you guys know let us know you can argue that you know warren's the real big bad and she's just like a victim sort of that's true but i mean i think if we're talking about like actual power level and like actual threat and there's some more to come that i have not talked about yet and that you have not seen yet, but like essentially Willow is the big bad of this season. Well, maybe Buffy's going to talk her out of it. Yeah, that's how the next episode starts. She just talks her out of it and then they just like go around town cleaning stuff up. Well. You know, Warren's body parts and stuff. <laughs> We're hungry, guys. We are hungry. We've been fasting and um, I'm starving right now. Not for religious purposes, just. For the religion of thin. <laughs> Yeah, we've been doing intermittent fasting. I don't know if you guys are familiar. It's where you like, uh, it's not like fasting, fasting. What we do is we have 16 hours where we don't eat, and then we have an eight-hour window. And supposedly, this is really good for your body and helps you lose weight. I don't know that I've ever done it long enough to notice if it worked. I have, and it has worked for me. We also just like eat less because of that. Like we tend to snack at like late hours of the evening otherwise, but this way we can't do that. So that's just like a whole chunk of calories we're not eating. Yeah, it has other benefits for your body. Like it expends energy on things besides digesting. Because I think a lot of times when you snack all day, your body's constantly like, oh, I got to work on digesting this food. But now it's like, oh, I've got time when we're not digesting. Maybe I could do some other stuff. Yeah, our bodies are multitasking. No, but what you said is absolutely right, that it just cuts out all the snacking in general, which is calories we didn't actually need. I want them, though. I know. I can't watch Gilmore Girls. What? Why? They're just constantly eating garbage, and I want it. Because we went home for Christmas early this year, and then Brian's birthday is early January, we just had like a month of holidays, so we're trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. just fix some of that real quick and then go back to our unhealthy lifestyle. I went deep into the Nutella Valley. Yeah, you made a valley in that Nutella, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's cavernous now, that jar. You guys don't understand how many times I've come home and Brian's just got like Nutella all over his face, like poop okay. caught in a honey jar. <laughs> okay. First of all, I had pants on. <laughs> Secondly, um, Nutella's great. 
Okay, guys, if you haven't had it, I discovered it a couple years ago. It's, not, I mean, I didn't discover it and like introduced it to the <laughs> Do world. You guys know Brian invented Nutella. Yeah, I mean, I just hadn't had it before, and then I was like, oh my god, it's delicious. You guys got to try it if you haven't. And it's messy when you're eating it out of a jar with a knife. Okay, it's messy. The jar <laughs> Nutella comes in weird shaped. I don't know why they do it like that, but I love it. And I also got to put on weight for the winter. You're not a squirrel. I'm gonna hibernate. I'm a bear, though. Okay. I think you're technically an otter. Okay. Well, we do have some five-star reviews, Brian. They're all for Nutella. Uh, No, they're for us. Oh. From Great Britain, thank you so much to Imogen Bosley and Lowry31. Thank you. Lowry is from Wales and is visiting New York soon. I was wondering if we were going to be doing any shows. I don't know when you're coming, but I am doing my restaurant show again on Wednesday, February 8th. I'll link you guys to it. It's a similar show that I've been doing. We just have changed it a little bit, trying out a couple new sketches, rewriting parts of it, rearranging it. Whole new cast, actually. So if you've seen it before, it's a different show now. Or if you haven't had a chance to see it yet but wanted to, February 8th, New York City. Also from the U.S., we have three five-star reviews. Nadine4864, Rob with one B, and Matt, I guess. That's the name. I guess it's part of the name. You yeah. just say that. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, Matt, I guess. Rob with one B says that he and his girlfriend are doing a similar thing with Buffy, one of her favorite shows, and Naruto, one of his favorite shows. And he says we should do Buffy the Naruto Slayer next, and we'd have a solid built-in listening base of two people. (laughs) Oh, let's do it. Let us know if there's any other Naruto people out there. I have no idea what that is, but when I asked Brian if he did, he came running into the room weirdly. Yeah, I did. I want to do Dragon Ball Z, but it's going to be tough to talk Stacey into that because it's a dumb fucking show. Boy meets balls. It's possible. God, we lose so many people. I don't know that the Gilmore people are coming along for that. All right, should we get into the episodes? Let's do it. So this week we started with Buffy. Stacy, please tell us all about villains. So this episode picks up right where the other one left off. Willow's going full into magic to try to get revenge on Warren for killing Tara. And that's pretty much the whole episode. She's trying to get Warren and her friends are trying to stop her because... She's back on the magic hard, and they don't want her to kill someone because that crosses a line, specifically in Buffy's opinion. So it opens on an ambulance pulling up to Buffy's house. Xander called it for Buffy, not even knowing that Tara was also shot upstairs. Xander runs the EMTs to the backyard, intense music. This is all one shot as the camera pans around a possibly in shock, but what seems to be still awake Buffy. They say her pulse is weak. And her lung sounds are wet. That can't be good. But she seems okay-ish. Meanwhile, things aren't going as well for Tara. So Willow conjures her old bringing people back from the dead buddy, Osiris, who is not happy to see her. He tells her she can't violate the laws of natural passing. She was able to bring Buffy back because Buffy died by mystical means, but Tara's death is the natural order. That's kind of bullshit. Just making up some, I think. Like, yeah, Glory was a god, but are we talking about predestination? Like, what if Warren shot Tara with a magical arrow? Right. Then could she have brought her back? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, that's what the show is telling us, that there's a difference between a mystical death and a regular death from, like, physics. So, okay, sure. But also, Willow, like, was able to bring Buffy back only because she had, like, a specialized little urn. Mm Mm-hmm. And stuff, so she doesn't have that urn anymore. I would have loved it if that dude had just been like, yeah, you don't have the urn? I'm not showing up to work. Need that urn. Maybe Xander should have glued it together like he suggested. 
Yeah, it was just like, what if Glory had some kind of magical weapon that she left behind, and that's what Warren found and killed her with? Like, you know what I mean? Just like a gun is not a mystical thing at all, but like. But what constitutes mystical, right? Right. Like, Buffy fell into a magical energy cloud that. That seems pretty fairly mystical. Like, just a, an energy cloud? Okay, sure, that's mystical. Also, did that kill her or did the fall? Right, but, like, if a vampire kills someone, could she theoretically bring them back? Because that's, like, a magical creature that killed them. That's a good point, because that's a very common death. Yeah, I'll give it a pass. It seems a little flimsy for, like, an excuse as to why you can't bring someone back or you could bring someone else back. And we've already discussed that, like, there seems like you can bring people back even if they die of natural causes. Because Joyce 100% died of natural causes. And they did bring her back even though she was, like, messed up. Yeah, I mean, I guess we never saw. She might have been fine. <laughs> we don't know. They didn't show her. We don't know. I suspect she was not fine. She was, like, slowly zombie walking. But, I mean, she, was, she just woke up. She just woke up, yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to give it a pass and say that that's, okay, that's the rules. Sure. Yeah, I'm not, like, very mad about it. They're just establishing a rule here, but yeah. I feel like you could kind of poke holes in that a little. I just really would like to talk to this disembodied face and just, like, get all the facts. What counts as what? Yeah, I guess we didn't really describe him. He's just sort of an energy cloud that pops up and has a Wizard of Oz big head face, sort of. Yeah. But it's more 3D than that. It was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Willow doesn't want to believe that there's no way to fix this, and she and Osiris get into a big screaming match, and he leaves. Well, I think we should mention, so Willow's gone, you know, full magic here, obviously. Summons Osiris. And he's like, nah, I'm not bringing her back. And then she, like, screams at him, like you said, but, like, he seems to be, like, in pain. And I think that's important because I think it's letting us know, like, oh, Willow is uh, charged up. If she's, like, hurting some mystical energy floating face creature who has the power to bring people back from the dead, she's not weak. I guess I didn't necessarily put that together that he left because he was being hurt. Yeah, he, like, screams in pain when she yells at him. She, like, yell spells at him. Well, as they're putting Buffy into the ambulance, Willow comes out of the house. Xander fills her in on what's going on with Buffy, specifically that Warren shot her. She doesn't mention anything to him about Tara and just kind of walks away. He also doesn't question why she's covered in blood, but he's got to go if he wants to get to the hospital with Buffy in the ambulance. To be fair, he's got a lot going on right now. He's uh-huh. probably, like, in shock, so I don't blame him for, like, being confused. He might have, like, even, like, yeah, Buffy's hurt. That's why she's got blood, like, isn't even thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the big house, Andrew and Jonathan are finding they're not super into jail life. And after arguing over which version of Matthew Broderick they prefer, Jonathan calls Andrew out on the fact that they were setting him up to get caught after they jetpacked away. Andrew's like, no, I was going to carry you. That was funny. Andrew is confident that Warren is going to come bust him out and thinks he wasn't going to betray him. How fast you forget, Andrew. At the end of the last episode, you were like bummed that he betrayed you. It almost seemed like a mistake. Yeah. Because he'd like put it together, I thought. But now he's like defiant against Jonathan. I mean, you could argue that, like, he's in denial right now. Yeah. And, like, he saw the writing on the wall, but, like, now he's, like, his only hope of getting out of prison for, like, murder and stuff is if Warren saves him. Yeah, he saw some writing on the jail cell wall and said, don't lose hope. (laughs) Is that a reference from The Last of Us? No. What are you referencing? Just, you said the writing was on the wall. Oh, okay. But surprise, surprise, Warren's not working on getting him out of there. He's gone to Willie's to brag to vampires about killing the Slayer. He buys a round for the pole bar and then tries to convince the guy next to him to buy him a drink. Like, that's weird. You buy someone a drink and then ask for one in return. He's like, I'm sure you've heard of the trio. Dude's like, I absolutely have not. And he tells him that he killed the Slayer in her own backyard with a gun. 
And everyone in the bar just laughs and laughs. Warren's like, <laughs> what? And then everyone points out they all just heard on the news that a girl who was shot in her backyard survived and went to the hospital. So probably was Buffy. Also, P.S. Slayer's heel real fast and she's going to be pissy at you and come for you. Willow decides to do a little shopping at the magic box. By that, I mean she blasts open the door with magic, breaks a bunch of lamps, and demands to know where the black arts books are. Like, you don't she, like, know, knows Willow. where they are. I yeah, know. you've been there. You stole one a season ago. Anya tries to stop her, but good luck, girl. I guess I don't really know what Anya's powers are. She gets pretty messed up by Willow in this episode. Yeah, it's tough to say, right? In The Wish, she was able to, like, physically overpower Giles. And I know she can teleport, and she can obviously cast curses on people. But I don't know what else she has power-wise. Like, let's say she's got the same strength as a vampire. I don't know. That seems reasonable, right? Yeah. But, like, Willow's, like, got spells she can just throw out. I don't think Anya can just throw out spells. But as I've mentioned a few times in this podcast, I think, like, I don't understand why someone like Anya... I don't think I've mentioned about Anya specifically. She's been around thousands of years. She knows magic is real. I'm sort of confused why someone wouldn't, like, augment their skill set with, like, spells. Why not learn spells? Yeah, she's, like, familiar with everything. It doesn't seem to be a a witch. Especially if anyone can just do spells, it seems. Some people are just naturally better at it. The show seems to suggest, even though it never comes out and says it, and maybe the comics do, but the show doesn't, that, like, some people are just more inclined to have natural talent for spells and magic. And Willow seems to be one of those people. But theoretically, anyone could do them, which is one of those reasons where I don't understand why Giles or I get maybe why Giles doesn't because he's afraid of magic because he's done bad things in the past. But why like other characters haven't been like, let's learn some spells just to have those. Like if fucking demons from hell are coming at us, maybe a fire spell would be good to have. Yeah, it seems like Buffy should know some spells. Yeah, I can see why Buffy wouldn't. It's like she's got her own arsenal and I, I feel like she wouldn't be good at it. But also, how do you kill Anya? Smashing her necklace did something? Yeah, that was the the source of her power. What's the source of her power now? I don't know. I honestly, if we talk about it again, I don't remember. I would know that she can't be killed by, like, stabbing her or throwing her around. Decapitation might kill her? I don't know. Because the smashing her power doesn't kill her either. That just, like, makes her human again, I guess? Right. Anyway, Willow tells Anya she needs power, and then Willow summons all of the books down onto a big stack on the table, sinks her hands into one of them, And all the texts and symbols from the pages start, like, showing up on her body, like, scanning up to her brain. Yeah, she's, like, sucking the text into her. She's, like, super scanning them. Her eyes and hair turn black as she says, that's better. Apologies if you hear our helicopter. Did you say our helicopter? Yeah, it's ours. It's just flying around. I thought you paid the guy to just park it for the day. I've got to leave right after this, so he's just hanging out outside. He's just hovering for a couple hours? I have a lot of money. Sometimes that happens. A helicopter will just, like, hover around our neighborhood for, like, an hour. I don't know if it's, like, the news. Dawn comes home. The front door is wide open, so she's suspicious. She goes upstairs looking for Buffy and, of course, comes across dead Tara. I was, like, mad at Willow for just leaving Tara like that. Throw a blanket over her or something. I don't know. I mean, for one, it's maybe disrespectful to Tara, but also just not thinking about the fact that Dawn could come across her, but she had a one-track mind at that point, so I guess I get it. It didn't bother me at all. I mean, like, Willow's, like, 
insane angry. Like, I don't know if she's thinking about, oh, someone might come across her dead body. If you died suddenly, I'd feel like I'd consider the fact that your body was just lying there before I left the house. Because someone is going to come home to it eventually. It might be me, and I don't want to be, like, reminded of it, you know? Sure. I mean, like we both said, she's she's got a one-track mind at this point on getting revenge for what happened. But I don't know. I feel like I'd cover you or something just so I didn't have to see it when I came back. But maybe she's not planning on coming back. Dawn's quite shocked by this. And then there's, like, this blast of white light that transitions into the next scene, which is Warren going to visit Rack. Remember Rack? The warlock that did magic to Willow? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Warren also assumes that Rack has heard of the trio. No one has Warren. Stop. Like, what have you even done, really, that doesn't directly involve messing with Buffy? Yeah. Like, they freeze raid that guy, but, like, how would that would have gotten out that it was them? I mean, Warren's a narcissist. He has such a high opinion of himself, he probably just assumes people know who he is. Like, I don't think they were trying to advertise who they were. I guess he says, like, doesn't the underworld talk? Like, they've conjured some demons, but haven't interacted with that many that are just living in town. They have interacted with, like, random vampires here and there. Maybe he thought the word got around. He's there looking to get some kind of protection from Buffy. Rack's like, eh, I'd be more worried about Willow. She's the new power, and she's going to blow this town apart, starting with you. He says anyone with intuition can feel it. I mean, I have pretty good intuition. Could I have felt it? Yeah, I think so. Or does he mean, like, actually superhuman intuition? I don't know. I mean, he can sense magic and shit, so. Right. I wondered if he could feel her because he's just super powerful like that or because he's been connected to her in the past. Uh, he did take a tour, so I That's don't know. True. Warren's like, why is Willow pissed? Buffy's going to be fine. And Rack's like, I don't know, but someone died, and Willow can sense your essence. It's only a matter of time before she finds you. So Warren gives him a ton of money in exchange for as much protection as Rack can give him. Rack's like, yeah, sure, but I can't promise anything will work. I've never felt anything like this rage that Willow is emitting. At the hospital, the doctors are working on Buffy in a room with windows to the hallway. Xander's watching all of this. It's not surgery, but I feel like someone with a gunshot wound would not just be, like, open to the public. Yeah. Willow comes in and commands all the doctors to leave. They do so without protest, so I assume she's got some kind of mind control thing going I mean, it's probably like Sunnydale. They're like, you know what? When someone shows up in a hospital like this demanding everyone leaves, you just leave or you're going to die. The, the last person that did that that worked here was a man woman named Ben Glory, and she killed a lot of people. So I'm leaving. It's always unclear if like the service workers in this town know what's up. Yeah. Buffy sounds like she's flatlining. Xander's like, what the fuck are you doing, Willow? And then Willow pulls the bullet out of Buffy's chest with magic, and she points out how small it is. And then Buffy wakes up. She's all better. All fixed. A couple things about this scene real quick. So for one, Willow keeps that bullet. Yeah. Uh, For two, it wasn't clear to me if Buffy dies in this scene or if Willow's like magic is like interfering with the machines and stuff. Right. Like was she flatlining on her own or did Willow cause the machines to beep? Right. Is this Buffy's like third death? I mean, she does it a lot. She's good at it. I know. I felt like when I rewatched it, it seemed more like it was Willow causing the machines to go higher. Because the doctors weren't like, she's dying, she's dying. I mean, they were like, we got to take care of this soon. But Well, you don't want to freak out when it's open to the public. People just eating popcorn, watching from the window. Yeah. Puffy doesn't seem to remember how she got here. And Willow tells them they have to go now and find Warren. Warren is buying a bus ticket and heading out of town. But Willow can sense his essence. So she's got Xander driving out into the desert to try to find Warren. They drove out into the desert in episode 20 last season. Spiral. It's a trope. Buffy and Xander are like, hey, Willow, maybe chill. 
Also, you're not supposed to be using magic, and what's up with your hair? And Xander specifically says what's with the makeover of the damned. Keep makeover in mind. Willow tells them that if she wasn't using magic, Buffy would be dead. And like you said, we we don't really know if she did stop the death right then in that moment, or if she's just yeah, assuming. Yeah, that line makes me think that she did save Buffy there, that Buffy technically died. But then Buffy says maybe, as if like, well, you don't actually know. Right. But Buffy also doesn't remember anything, so who knows. Willow tells Xander to go faster, but when he says no, she literally becomes a backseat driver and takes over the car with her mind. Yeah. She turns it suddenly and starts off-roading in Xander's tiny little purple car until they get to a different road where Warren's bus is approaching. Buffy and Xander try to stop her, but she, like, binds them somehow. She shoots, like, laser beams. That's kind of what she did to Anya. It looks like she's going to flip the bus. She, like, stands in the middle of the road as it's fast approaching her. And I'm like, that's crazy. There's innocent people on the bus. But she doesn't flip it. She just brings it to a very abrupt halt, just short of hitting her. And she opens the door and says, get out. I'm surprised the bus driver doesn't assume she means him, but... Yeah, you'd think that means, like, everybody. Apparently, these people are not hospital staff. They're confused what to do when someone says, get out. (laughs) And just Warren gets out. She grabs his neck. He's like, please, I'll do anything. She chokes him, and his robot eye pops out. How could this be? She could feel his essence. So it must be that Rack put Warren's essence in the robot, maybe? I think that's what happened. That's the suggestion. It's never stated, but... Did Rack come over to Warren's lab? I mean, it's magic. Does he have to physically be there? I don't know. It's not like magic makes any actual sense. Also, I must say Warren Bot is way more natural acting than Buffy Bot or April. Yeah, well... Like, we don't see him much, but Buffy Bot's like a cartoon of Buffy. He's getting better. I suppose it would make sense that he'd be able to program a version of him better than someone he doesn't know as well. Yeah. Does he just have this lying around? Because you were like, he should be using bots on Buffy. Right. I'm guessing he made one of himself. That'd be a good idea. I doubt he just threw this together today. He probably made this to hang out with Andrew when he didn't want to. (laughs) She's like, yeah, go hang out with Andrew, be his buddy. As you may have guessed, Willow isn't satisfied with this outcome. (laughs) Yeah. And wants to go find and kill the real Warren. She just kills a robot. You know what? I'm satisfied. I feel better. This is all I really wanted. Buffy tries to stop her, but Willow finally informs them that Warren killed Tara. Buffy's like, yeah, that's awful, but that doesn't mean we should start killing humans. There's basically no coming back from that. And Willow's like, yeah, well, I don't plan on coming back. And she blasts them with magic and like disappears. Why did they drive if she can teleport? I mean, that's a that's a good question. I mean, I would maybe just argue that like I assume that takes a bunch of energy. And, like, maybe she was like, I don't know what tricks Warren has, so I'd like to have my full power set. Sure. But then she ends up magic driving the car. Yeah. I would imagine telekinesis is a less of a drain than defying the laws of space-time. Perhaps. Buffy and Xander go back to Buffy's house. Front door, still wide open. And they find Dawn just, like, catatonic in Willow's room, staring at Tara. Dawn says she didn't want to leave her alone. I don't hate Dawn. I don't love Dawn. But could something just go right for Dawn? Her life is so bad all the time. Never. Like, it almost doesn't make sense that she's happy ever. (laughs) So they call the body removal service, I guess. They take the body. I mean, that probably is like a (laughs) full-time job at Sunnydale. And they probably know that number. They're like, we got another dead snake man in the park. Can you come (laughs) get rid of this shit? You just got to sign a piece of paper, like a reverse FedEx. They take it (laughs) away. Reverse FedEx. Buffy, Xander, and Dawn sit down to try to figure this all out. Dawn agrees Warren should die and doesn't see why Buffy doesn't think so. And Xander agrees. Warren's just as bad as any other demon Buffy kills on the reg. 
Buffy's like, no, no, we don't kill humans. There are and should be limits to what we can do. Willow doesn't want to believe that, and who knows what kind of trouble she's in. While Xander and Don, I think, agree that Willow's maybe being a lot, they both seem to be on team, maybe Warren should die. I'm on team Warren should die. I mean, they've set up, especially in last season, right, that, like, Buffy is, like, super good. Like, she's a hero. She can't kill humans, even if they deserve to die. Right, like Giles did. Yeah, like, it 100% made sense for her to kill Ben, to save all realities from glory, right? But she couldn't do it. Giles had to. Is Ben a human, though? Like, what was Ben? We never really got that answer. Like, Yeah, he's a human boy. He was just a human boy that didn't have parents? and I don't know if he had parents. We never got an answer for that, but he was a human boy for sure. That got a god snuck into his body at some point. Exactly. So Buffy was like, Ben, even if he's done bad things or made bad decisions, he's an innocent human being. I don't kill humans. That's not what I do. I can't do that. And so I think it was pretty clear she's not going to kill Warren. That's her moral code. Do you think Buffy should kill Warren? Like, what do you think the answer is? Let Willow do it? No, I, I mean, I don't think she should kill Warren. I think she should talk Willow out of killing Warren. But, I mean, she's not going to stop Willow from doing it. Yeah. But, I mean, if you think Warren deserves to die, do you think he should go to court and be tried for all this? Or do you think they should, like, find a way to kill him that's not directly killing him? I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I were one of the Scoobies, honestly, I would probably want to kill him. Because it'd be like, listen, he could get out of jail with some magic science bullshit and then come after us with a handgun. Like, nah, I'm sorry, dude, you're done. Yeah. I'm going to have Giles choke you out and talk about how Buffy's a hero. Yeah, because, I mean, he's not going to stop. He's got, like, such a big ego that he's going to try to keep magicking his way out of this. Yeah. Or sciencing. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a scenario where there's a redemption arc for Warren, maybe. But I feel like Warren's True. too narcissistic to be redeemed. But we're redeeming Spike and Angel. Jamie Lannister. Yeah. It's possible for TV to do such. It is. Jess. Yeah, Jess was an evil genius. <laughs> Jess wasn't even on screen for most of his redemption. <laughs> yeah, we just come back and he's like, hey, I'm redeemed, by the way. <laughs> oh. oh, hey, Roy, good to see you. I'm redeemed. You got redeemed off screen? Yeah, I got redeemed off screen. Nice. But Buffy promises them that Warren will get what he deserves, but she's not going to let Willow destroy herself. So they're going to go to the magic box so they can use a locating spell to find Willow. But they don't want Dawn to come with, and they don't want her to stay home alone. I don't really get why she can't just stay home. Do they think Willow's going to like come in and kill her? Yeah, it's very unclear why she shouldn't stay home, because Willow doesn't seem to want to kill them. So why would she not stay home? I guess Warren might, because he did come to the house and oh, try shooting it up. Yeah, that's true. And they don't know what's going on with Warren. Well, Buffy tells her she wants her to be somewhere that she feels safe. And she's like, fine, I want to go to Spike's. Xander hates this, but Buffy insists it's fine, especially since Spike literally can't hurt Dawn. Right. It makes me wonder if Buffy has now told Xander that Spike could hurt her, though. She maybe would have had to, considering he saw the bruise. Yeah. We didn't see that conversation, but I bet he had questions about that. I actually thought Xander was good in this scene, this whole, like, conversation at the Summy Res. Yeah. When you say Xander, do you mean Nicholas Brennan? Or you yes. Mean... Yeah. We talked a little bit about how his acting wasn't great in the wedding breakup episode. Yeah. But I thought he did a good job in this one. Not, like, mind-blowing, but I was like, oh, I, I believe that you're sad and don't know what to do right now. Because they're just, like, sort of at their wit's end, and this is, like, worst-case scenario. They're, like, losing their friend. Yeah. His, like, best friend. Yeah, I mean, that is his best friend. They're the closest friends of the group, honestly, Willow and Xander, even though the show sometimes forgets that, but then reminds us. But Buffy eventually convinces Xander that Spike's house is their only option. But as you maybe remember, Spike ain't at Spike's house. 
But Clemens, he's house-sitting. They startle him and make him spill his snacks, but he forgives them and offers them lemonade. <laughs> I like the idea that, like, Clem is actually, like, a super evil demon, right? <laughs> but he knows the Slayer could kill him, so he's like, I'm just going to pretend I'm super nice. <laughs> yeah, we don't really know his deal. Yeah. What kills Clem? What's his goal? Was yeah, he a know. human before? Who knows? He eats cats, I think. So does Spike, maybe? No, he just deals with them like currency. But we know that Clem eats them. I think so. Well, he's eating bugles today. He informs them that Spike left town for a bit. Don and Buffy, notably, are a little bummed about this, but ask Clem if Don can hang out anyway. Clem's like, of course, we'll play games, watch the wedding planner, you can have the comfy chair. Buffy, date, Clem. <laughs> you know, man, he'd be giving her the comfy chair. Oh, <laughs> he's nice God. to your sister. Imagine the earplay. <laughs> Before Buffy leaves, she asks if Spike said when he'll be back. And Clem says no, only that he could be gone a while. Spike has gone to Africa somehow. Real quick. We have to assume this is not happening at the same time because there's no way he's there that quickly. I don't think his exit from town was specifically placed in time, but it seems like maybe only a couple of days have passed since then. I don't know that we like know for sure that anything was like the next day. Yes, we do. So these the last like three episodes all take place over like three days. Or the last like four episodes, like when Buffy gets shot, this is all like the next three days. But so, like between when Buffy and Spike are in the bathroom and when when the heist happens, is that all the same night? I guess it could be. I don't know that we know that though. There could be a couple days between when Buffy goes to the amusement park and smashes Warren's orbs. Also, do we know that like when Warren comes with the gun is the next day? I don't I don't know that anything is like for sure. I'm looking it up right now. It feels like it's all back to back, but I don't know that we're ever like, wow, last night was crazy. Or what a Saturday that was on to Sunday. <laughs> you know, dialogue that Buffy has all the time. Yeah. So the time period spanning from the end of the uh, seeing red to the end of the season is one day. Right. But Spike left maybe days before seeing red. Like the day that Buffy gets shot could have been days after the bathroom scene. I suppose that's true. I feel like it's not the feeling we get. No, it's not, because, like, Willow and, and Tara get together in the previous episode. But they could have been fooling around for, like, a week. For, like, a week? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I agree it seems fast. I mean, I think it's fine if we just assume it's not happening at the same time, but they're just showing it to us that way for dramatic effect. Yes. Willow can teleport. Maybe Spike can, too. He did leave on a motorcycle, though, so I'm not really sure how he got to Africa on a motorcycle. Because you have to, like, take a boat to another continent. Angel's established, because you can't just, like, fly. It would be sunlight. Well, if you have a motorcycle, you don't have to. Okay. (laughs) He puts up, like, that black cardboard, like he's got in his car all over his motorcycle. (laughs) He doesn't have to breathe. He's just on the bottom of the ocean on his motorcycle. There ain't (laughs) no sun there. He's fine. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Can vampires go underwater? That's a great question. I mean, why wouldn't they be able to go underwater? Yeah, they should just swim wherever. They don't really get tired. Maybe that's not true. I mean, I wouldn't want to get stuck accidentally under the ocean somehow, because they also probably are not buoyant at all, because they don't have any air in their lungs. A shark could also bite your head off. Yeah, but if... Yeah, that's true. An African man is trying to stop Spike from doing whatever he's about to do, but Spike doesn't listen. He goes into a cave where he sees all kinds of dark and nasty artwork and then comes across a mostly covered by darkness demon with glowing aquamarine eyes. Are you into this guy? No, what? <laughs> she said he had eyes. talking about his eyes so much. I said 
two adjectives about them. Oh my god! All right, we get it. you want to fuck this demon <laughs> man in a cave? I got it. All right. What do you want me to do? Give you trials? Is that what you need from a man? I'd take a trial. <laughs> this guy doesn't sound not evil. He's got like an evil laugh. He's like, <laughs> I know. He seems to know that Spike is there to see him about a woman, specifically the Slayer. Spike's like, yep, she thinks she's better than me. Also, everything kind of sucked for me a lot ever since I got this chip. And he's like, and you want to return to your former self? Doesn't say which self, human or chipless vampire. And then the demon makes fun of him and calls him pathetic for being this legendary demon who got castrated. He tells him he would never be able to endure the trials to grant his request. And Spike's like, oh yeah, do your worst. But when I win, I want what I came here for. Bitch is going to see a change. So we still don't know what specifically he's trying to change about himself. My money's on he's trying to be human again, but we'll see. I'm excited for these trials. Angel's trials were a little lame. Maybe these will be more fun. Spoilers, they're not. Uh, so the show is setting up, I think, that he wants his chip out, right? I mean, that seems to be what the show is at least presenting for us. There's two options, as I've said. Yeah. They're being very vague in their language. Yeah, but I mean, the show is telling us he wants his chip taken out. Like, he keeps referencing that ever since he got the chip, he can't be a monster or a man. Right. But also, this trial, sh- like, what are with these trials? Like, Angel's trials were fighting dudes in, like, a dark cavern. And now Spike's doing some trials to get a wit. Like, to- can anyone at any point just be like, I'd like to do some trials so I can get a thing. Like, if I wanted a PS5, could I just do some trials? If you can get to Africa. Angel did get to Africa. You could do trials anyway. Spike took the Angel long way. Angel had to faceplant into a pool with no water. <laughs> I'll do that for a PS5. If you haven't watched Angel, Angel does some trials, but he has to like platform nine and three quarters his way into an empty pool to get there. <laughs> I like that you turned that Harry Potter thing into a verb. They get it. Yeah. I know our people. Uh, anyway, Spike has stumbled across the trials. Could Willow have just done some trials to bring Tara back? If they were mystical trials, I guess. I don't know. What do trials? What, tr- just I, We need an episode that just explains trials. Maybe Osiris could come down and give us the lowdown. What are the rules for trials? Xander arrives at the magic shop where he helps out a hurt Anya. It seemed like Willow did the same magic to her that she did to Buffy and Xander. But Anya's like, yeah, it's wearing off. Was she just like stuck like that all day? Like she seems like she's been thrown around, but she really was just like frozen so she couldn't walk towards Willow. But it seems like she like needs an ice bath. Yeah, I mean, maybe Willow could sense she was a demon again and like really gave her a little extra oomph. Maybe. They both exchange what they know about Willow, and we find out that Anya can sense Willow because of her thirst for vengeance. She also knows Tara died. I don't think Willow told her that, but maybe it's all in the, the sensing. There's a lot of essence and sensing in this episode. Anya can sense, like, vengeance, so right. it makes sense. But I don't know how she knows Tara died, unless she can, like, feel what Willow's thinking, maybe. Don't know. Xander's like, oh, cool. Didn't know you had leftover vengeance sense abilities. From your demon days. Oh, shit, you're, you're a demon again. I did not know that. So he doesn't love that. But they can't really talk about it because Buffy shows up. She gets caught up on everything. Anya's a demon. She can sense Willow, blah, blah, blah. Xander's like, shouldn't you be granting Willow a vengeance wish or something? But apparently Willow doesn't want Anya because she wants to do it herself. So Anya kind of reluctantly agrees to help them find her for Willow's sake. And she can tell that Willow's close to Warren and she's in the woods. Meanwhile, Willow has done a little map spell on her blood-splattered white shirt that's leading her to Warren. We see him running through the woods. She's looking for him, but then he axes her in the back. But, uh, axe in the back don't work on new Willow, I guess. 
Old Willow would have worked. New Willow, no. What's surprising to me is why why are you using an axe? It's like the least efficient weapon. You have a gun. <laughs> why would you not just use the gun? Maybe he ditched the gun. I guess. But yeah, running through the woods with an axe doesn't sound fun. Sounds heavy and like you're going to fall on it. But then he tries a little Hellraiser puzzle box, Quidditch snitch combo bomb. Yeah. It is like a square thing with wings and then it explodes. Willow kind of just freezes that mid-explosion. Yeah, I want to point out that she says freeze in the middle of an explosion. Explosions are pretty quick. You don't have time to say a word mid-explosion, but whatever. Who cares? It's a show. It's the same kind of time stuff with Spike going to Africa. (laughs) So Warren's running, he's running, and Willow, I assume, teleports right into his path. She uses her little binding magic on him, but he makes a last-ditch attempt to stop her by throwing flubber at her that encapsulates her. But she burns right through that with her fire eyes. And then she commands some vines to tie him up. Willow walks over all like, hey, I know Tara wasn't the first girl you killed. And then she conjures a Katrina apparition to mess with him. Maybe it's the real her. I don't know. She looks kind of dead, but not like a ghost or a zombie. She's solid. Willow calls him out on getting off on having power over women, I guess, saying that Buffy was going to be his big O. And then she shows him the bullet she pulled from Buffy. And she magics it into his very hairy chest. He's so hairy. Yeah. And she's sick of him talking because he's talking. So she stitches his mouth shut real quick. And when he can't take it anymore, she unseals his mouth. Well, first off, for a little while, he's all like, you better not do this. I'm going to mess you up. You don't know what you're doing, girl. Like, you're in for it now. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, you're not, you do not have the upper hand. And like, no one believes that you do. So you might want to stop doing that. Yeah. Until she seals his mouth. He's definitely trying to act like he's in charge here. And maybe he feels like he is, because it's clear, like she said, that he's got some issue with powerful women. But when she unseals his mouth, he admits that he did wrong, that he should have to go to jail, and tries to convince her that she shouldn't do this. I guess it's unclear if he's just saying this to say anything, or if he actually is like, you know, I, okay, I get it, I learned. I don't think so. I think he just doesn't want to die right now, and he right. knows that she's going to kill him. That's what I would assume. So he's just saying whatever he can say to get out of this situation. But one of the things he says is that, She shouldn't do this because she's not a bad person like him. And when her friends find out what she's done, she'll lose them too. He is right, but he's really just trying to save his own skin. Right. Which he does not succeed at, by the way. He does not save his own skin for sure. (laughs) Willow says, bored now and fucking skins him alive. Yeah. Right as her friends arrive. When I say she's doing these things, it's all with like telekinesis. She doesn't like get out a knife. They're like, Willow, what did you do? And then she sets Warren on fire, says one down, and evaporates into like a thunderstorm. Um, Willow bad now. Yeah, Willow is a villain now. Let's just get this out of the way. Buffy's hair is fantastic. Buffy's hair is goddamn amazing in this episode. They're like doing to it what they tried to do with Anya's a few episodes ago, where it's like curly, but it's they're not as tight and the haircut's better for it. It's nice. It, it was really distracting to you in a scene that was I can't supposed tell to be you serious. How beautiful her hair looks in this episode. It's like gorgeous. I've just like, I love, it's just, could, can we just always have this hair? It's so wonderful. I know Tara died. That's sad. But like Buffy's hair <laughs> in this episode, go rewatch it. You were distracted by your emotions. Look at her hair. As you may remember, I had a suspicion Tara died. I feel like that got ruined for me a long time ago. Yeah. I didn't know anything about the circumstances of it. I honestly would have predicted that it would have been Willow's fault. But it's interesting that it wasn't. Because, yeah. I mean, last week I didn't know she was dead dead. That wasn't confirmed until this episode. I just figured that made sense since 
Tara was like big on trying to keep her from doing magic, that somehow Willow would take magic too far and hurt Tara, literally. Believe it or not, magic was not involved at all. Yeah. The face made that very clear. Also, interesting little thing. When Willow is using the bullet to like slowly go through Warren's body, which, by the way, is kind of like in a movie that came out afterwards, X-Men First Class, Magneto does that to uh, Shaw with a coin. Hmm. When she's putting that bullet through Warren, she talks about like how it's damaging his body as it happens. And she talks about it collapsing his lung, which, believe it or not, connects to Gilmore Girls. Put a pin in that collapsed lung. When Rory gets shot. <laughs> so, Brian, was this a good episode? Yeah, this is a great episode. Tell us it's about it. It's so cool seeing Dark Willow. She's so awesome. It's just because it's not the Willow we've known for so long. But, like, we do know that Willow has, like, some darkness inside of her a little bit. I mean, you can argue different things. But, like, in Doppelgangland or in The Wish, we get to see Vampire Willow. And now we're seeing, oh, this personality is in there. It's it's something. You know what I mean? Like, this, they're not totally different characters. In fact, when she says bored now and rips off his flesh... Bored now was something that Vampire Willow would say. Oh, yeah. She did say that. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of fun to see this, like, angry, dark, evil Willow. It's just so different than we're used to. But you also feel like sort of a justification for her feelings. Because Tara's is, like, super innocent, all-good character that was killed so senselessly by this little bitch man, Warren. It's interesting because even though I guess Willow's kind of the villain now, we're sort of rooting for her in this episode. Because... Yeah, we don't want Warren to just keep living, really. They've made him such a villain. Yeah. That it's like, yeah, we don't hate to see this, but it is like, oh, yeah, that is sort of, uh, it's hard to, like, go to the movies with Willow when you know she's skinned a dude. Right, exactly. But, like, you totally understand Willow's point of view, too. Like, you just get it. Like, you're not like, oh, she's being crazy evil. It's like, yeah, she's evil, but, like, I get it. I understand why. Now, her last line where she's, like, one down, the suggestion being two to go. That suggests she's about to do some stuff that isn't as excusable or understandable, killing the rest of the trio, because they weren't there for this. Right. She doesn't know that they had nothing to do with Warren coming to shoot Buffy. That's true. They could have obtained the gun for him, for all she knows. Yeah. Well, but like beating them up real bad, sure, okay. But like they didn't pull the trigger and kill Tara. True. So yeah, this is great. Finally, I feel like this writing for this season... Which has seemed, it's not, it didn't seem as tight the whole season, but like now we're seeing all the threads coming together in ways that are really well done. Like Anya's transformation back into a demon now serves a plot purpose because she can track Willow. I agree. Yeah. It's, well, each individual episode was like, what? What is this addiction stuff? It does seem like it's coming together really well. It's just a very slow burn. Yeah, we had all these different storylines that didn't seem like they really were connected. I mean, other than they're happening to the characters within the same universe. But now it's like, okay, here, they're culminating in a way that makes sense. This is where we're going all along. The thing about season six that's rough is like sometimes these episodes you're like, this is just sad and like, is this going anywhere? And now the show's like, no, we are going somewhere. Thank you for being patient on this journey. Yeah. I do feel like this show benefits from binge watching just to like get to where we're going faster. Yeah, I bet. I mean, we basically watch it once a week, but yes. Buffy also took breaks when it aired live. So it takes us like five months to watch a season, where it would have taken nine to watch it live. Mm-hmm. And it was cool seeing, so Warren gets what he deserves. And honestly, it's weird because we're all like, yeah, we shouldn't kill Warren. But all of us kind of enjoyed seeing him get his comeuppance the way he did, right? 
Like, we're all like, yeah, Buffy, you're right. But, like, I kind of want to see him die bad. Comeuppance is, like, such a cute way to label what happened to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at He got his comeuppance. He got his comeuppance. But it was kind of cool seeing him still get to do some of his tricks to be like, no, but he does have some abilities. He's planned. That seems like the kind of thing he would do. You know, he's like a very low-rent Iron Man. So that was kind of cool that he had some tricks that, like, sort of worked on Willow. Not They didn't really work, but they, they slowed her down a little bit, you know? So I liked that. It was a good episode. I liked it. I hope you liked it. I don't know how I you did. feel about it. Yeah. I'm I'm curious like how the the magic makes her like a different person and like why her hair changed color. You know, like what specifically makes her like totally a different character? Cuz before the dark magic just made her like high, but now she seems to be like functioning and just Well, the dark magic she was doing before was like specific dark magics that were like there to get you high, you know? Like, this seems like she just absorbed every dark magic. A lot of these probably weren't just to get you high. They were to fucking do real bad shit. Like, everything Giles was worried about her getting into, she's just like, I'm going to do all of it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with some of the drug mapping I don't feel like always worked. But I feel like this, like, her being evil, like, yeah, these spells probably do messed up things to you. It's not just like, oh, I'm high. It's like these spells have effects on your brain, body, psyche, personality. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I liked the culmination of all this. I thought it was a good episode. Yeah, I liked it. It was very um, intense. And, yeah, like you said, everything's sort of coming together. It was nice that Anya helped. It's funny that she's still just, like, working a job. <laughs> yeah. Previous seasons had, like, a very clear path. Not every season, but almost every season had a clear path. Like, this is the bad dude, and he's trying to do this. At graduation, yeah. Yeah, and we season four had the same thing, but, like, the writers are like, he's the bad guy, and he's trying to do, I don't know, something bad. I don't know what Adam's plan is, but, like, it's bad, and we know it. But this season kind of was like, what are we doing? The trio, who gives a shit? They're, what? They don't really have a plan other than, like, we want to be bad guys who ruled Sunnydale. Now it's like, I remember watching this the first time being like, Okay, here we go. This is where we're going. I get it. It was all just a catalyst for Willow. Yeah, great episode. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was great. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 6, Episode 20, A Wrong Day's Journey into Right mysterious demon, in quotes, is using the Charmed One spells and potions to vanquish demons. Meanwhile, Paige is using magic for her own personal gain so that she can relax whilst taking over his head Wiccan. Could the two be connected, or is it just a wrong day's journey into right? That's all the description. Got very flowery at the end. It's very clear that, like, different people write these descriptions. It's 100% clear. Sometimes it's like, Paige finds a rock. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. This one's like poetic, or is it just a long day's journey into right? What the hell does that mean? I want you to explain it to me, whoever wrote this. Well, obviously, this episode was a little crazy. Um, the whole episode, people think that it's Paige, because uh, she never wants to go hang out with people. She's just relaxing, and they're like, okay, we left to go to the movies, and then like a bunch of demons were killed, and you weren't there, so we suspected you. She's like, no, it's not me. I'm just relaxing. And she's smoking weed, but she's found a way to make it more potent with her magic. Well, we're like, it's got to be her, but it's not. It's Chris. Chris has disguised himself as a bird demon, and he's killing all these other demons. But wait, wait, wait. Chris had a real bad experience with birds recently. Yeah. He thinks it's the scariest thing in the world. Wow. So I guess he's just really trying to, like, 
follow the fear and get over it by becoming a big bird. I think it's like Batman where he's using his fear to scare others. Mm. Yeah, so Phoebe and Piper have just been out all day, you know, seeing demons just die left and right in front of them. But now they come home and they just see Chris like up on the roof in a big nest that he's built. And they're like, oh, my God, it was you using spells and potions to vanquish demons. I guess Paige was just having a Paige day. But I mean, she's got a lot on her plate. She's trying to become head Wiccan. Can we talk about that? Isn't she like new? Yeah, but they wanted some new blood. What makes her think she can be head Wiccan? That pot she's smoking. Yes. So I guess, um, no, the two aren't connected. So it, it was just a wrong day's journey into right. Yeah. Just a wrong day's journey into right. Right. It's a common phrase I say a lot. What is it? Long day's journey into night? Is that yeah. what we're saying? Well, wrap that one up. Perfect. It's exactly what happened. I think that synopsis was chef's kiss. Perfect. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. Then, Sir Brian, we watched Gilmore Girls. Could you tell all of our friends and family? Does your parents still listen to this? I don't think so. Well, then just tell our friends about super cool party people. So this episode is about Lorelai finally getting to spend some time with April and uh, being part of that part of Luke's life. Also, uh, Logan's hurt or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, he's fine. I don't really remember. I think he's all right. He like fell or tripped or something. The episode starts the day after Lane's wedding, where, if you guys remember, Lorelai got incredibly drunk and gave an embarrassing, uncomfortable, cringy toast about being very upset that she and Luke aren't married yet, and it doesn't seem like they're getting married anytime soon. So Lorelai is paying the price, and she has a god-awful headache at work. She's in the kitchen at the inn, nursing her headache, unpacking what happened the night before with Suki, mainly for the viewer's benefit. By the way, in the background of the scene, there's a cook named, like, Fred, who just, like, keeps making a ton of noise. Like, doesn't seem to care at all that his boss, Lorelai, has a huge hangover. He's being very loud, regardless of anyone being hungover. He's just, like, slamming pans. Yeah, and then he's just like, oh, sorry, sorry. He does not actually give a shit. I'm like, dude, she owns the inn. Maybe, like, cool it a bit. You don't have to be this loud, too. None of what he was doing was necessary. Apparently she did a lot between the speech and when she got taken home. Yeah, Suki lets us and Lorelai know what other embarrassing misadventures she got into when she was drunk and caffeinated the night before. Like she auditioned for America's Next Top Model, apparently, or at least on camera did. Or she was limboing under Zach's great uncle's cane, and she started a secret club of super cool party people. That's where the title comes from. I thought it was going to come from the birthday party with April, but no, it's from this one line. I think it's both. It's both. Suki mentions how chivalrous Chris was for taking her home the night before. Lorelai's like, yeah, that sounds like him, chivalrous. And like, can we just stop fucking talking about Chris, guys? Okay, Chris, leave. Get out of the show. Don't come back. Just go. Do you hate Christopher? Yeah. You hate Christopher. I don't hate Christopher. I just, can we stop talking about how great he is? He can just leave the show, please. He's getting in the way. I see where this is going. I don't, I don't like it. I don't know what you're talking about. It just seems like we're introducing him all of a sudden, and he's a great guy, and he's got his life together. We do this every season. Christopher shows up, and we're all like, oh my god, Christopher's changed. He's a nice guy. He's redemption arcing. Yeah, but then we do a redemption arc every season for Christopher. He's slowly changing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate Christopher at all, actually. I feel like the show has redeemed him. I just am like, this is just drama conflict the show's introducing to, like, get in the way of her and Luke. Ugh, anyway. But let's talk about Logan, because the last episode ended with Logan being hurt and Rory rushing off to go see what's wrong with him. 
Rory arrives at the hospital where she finds Logan is now in serious but stable condition. But Rory is very frustrated because the staff will not release any more information to her because she isn't family. She runs into Colin and Finn, who tell her that Logan base jumped off a cliff, got disoriented, barely got a shootout, and then bounced down the entire side of the mountain. It sounds kind of funny if you imagine like a cartoon character doing it, but it actually sounds pretty awfully painful if you think about a human being doing this. Yeah. Oh, God, it sounds like pain. Xander's aunt works at this hospital. Oh, yeah. There's a nurse, and we're like, we know her. And you were like, oh, that's Xander's aunt. Or I, No, we uh, watched this with our watch party patrons, and they pointed it out. Yes, yes. You're absolutely right. But I would have gotten to the bottom of it. Colin and Finn tell Rory that Honor is on her honeymoon, and she's trying to get a flight back to see Logan. Logan's mother, though, when she found out about Logan, checked herself into, like, a spa, and they haven't heard from her since. That's very weird, right? Yeah, she seems to have some vices. Yeah, I don't know. Was that re- is it supposed to be rehab? It's, oh, I, I don't, don't know. know. She just, it's weird. I, I think it was just she didn't want to deal. Yeah, I guess. They also said that they told Mitchum. Finn calls him the Dark Lord. It was really funny. Yeah. Um, but they have not heard back from him. Rory does not appreciate how much Finn and Colin are joking and making light of the situation and scolds them for not keeping him safe and seeming to not care about their friend. To be fair, someone pointed this out in the chat too. They have had plenty of time to digest all of this, and they know that Logan is alive and in stable condition, and they also probably use humor as a coping mechanism, so it's not crazy that they would be joking around. But I could also see why Rory, who is just finding all this out, is upset or annoyed by this. Yeah, yeah. But you could tell they were like, what? what? We're, we're joke characters. We don't do serious. What else <laughs> exactly. would we say? I Our thought they were kind of funny. funny. Yeah, I agree. They were like covered in dirt. Yeah. Rory tells them to just go home because she can't stand to look at them. And then she just sneaks or walks into the room that Logan's in, unconscious on the bed. Hospitals don't have rules. What is the policy at this hospital? We can't tell you if she's in stable condition, but you can just walk around into anyone's room. I mean, you can just go to someone's room at the hospital. If you no, you can't. Like, I mean, I saw my grandparents and stuff in the hospital. You can go on visiting hours. It's daytime. And you got to, like, check in and stuff. You can't just, like, walk into rando rooms. I didn't have to check in at hospitals. If you knew what room they were in, you could go. Okay, well. His name's probably on the outside. Yeah, I, I, they can't release any information, but, she, okay, well, anyway, she is standing there looking at Logan on the bed when a doctor comes in, and she starts badgering him with questions about Logan while he takes Logan's vitals. Dude is like, sorry, I can't help you, it's hospital policy. It is also hospital policy that you can just stand here and watch me do this and go ahead and read his chart, and you can poke him with a stick if you want, but it's hospital policy that we don't tell you anything else about him. So it's fine that she's just hanging out here doing this? Yeah, I mean... I think if you're not like in an emergency room or like operating room, I think. Can I just walk into a random hospital room and just like stare at a random person in a bed if I want I'm to? I'm guessing maybe New York has higher security hospitals than where I grew up in the Midwest. I will say that. I haven't been to a hospital in New York. I feel like at some point someone would come up and be like, hey, can I help you? And you're like, oh, I know this person. Do you? I mean, I think you'd be allowed to go visit your boyfriend's hospital room, but I do think that if you're not family, they... I agree if he's awake. I don't know, but she probably checked in somewhere. Anyway, it just seems like the hospital's got a weird, like, closed lips, open door policy that I don't understand. But also this doctor, like, refuses to tell her anything. But I'm like, can you tell her something? Like, 
like I get you can't be like he had surgeries. He's you know we can't go into the minutia about like what has happened. It's going to happen to him. But you could say something like, "Hey, he's doing very well, and like we think he's going to be all right." Yeah, I think he could give her some peace of mind at least. Exactly. Like I get be like, "Hey, we can't do the specifics, but you should know that we think he's going to recover." Like that would be. I feel like you could say that. That's just kindness. Like I, I can't imagine me waking up and be like, "You told someone that I was going to recover." That's my information to have. And my parents who don't give a shit about me. Exactly. But the scene is kind of nice because Rory is like clearly super concerned about Logan. She's panicked, offering to donate blood, asking the doctors anything she can do. And it's nice to see that she like cares about Logan. Like she said it. I feel like this show has done a good job of her saying she likes Logan, saying she's happy with Logan. But a lot of the show is like drama with her and Logan. Or them just, like, you know, hanging out or something. But here we're like, no, you can see Alex Bledel is upset. And, like, we can see on her face, and I think she does a good job acting it. Like, she is worried about Logan. Brian met Alexis Bledel this week, and she told him he could call her Alex. Oh, yeah. I, she did. Yep. <laughs> Guys, you know, I'm not great with names. Alexis Bledel. Cut to the troubadour rocking out for a little bit for some reason. I guess he's a big character again. Every once in a while, the show's like, oh, yeah, we got a troubadour. Let's focus on him for a minute. But this is like the longest I think we've ever seen him. He's just playing for a while outside. Everyone seems happy when they're walking past him. A lot of people look at him like smiling, like this is a weird scene. But okay, he's there and he's making people feel good. He looks older or something. I don't know why he looks different. I don't know if he got a haircut or like He did a face. some trials. He, <laughs> he did some trials, yeah. That make yeah, okay, maybe. If you skip the Buffy part, go back. Just search for trials. You just search the audio for trials. At the diner, Luke is annoyed. When isn't he annoyed? Because Caesar made some small innovations to the diner menu when Luke was on his road trip with April. Like, he started offering cold bananas to the customers, and he tells Luke that they really seem to like it. But Luke is like, no, I highly doubt that. We're doing it my way. No one wants cold bananas. Only to have people throughout the entire episode constantly ask him for some cold bananas. I thought that was very funny. Every time someone's like, and can I get that cold banana? We should chill some bananas. It was good. Caesar also points out that people don't like that he's cold and distant and looks like, yeah, uh, I'm staying cold and distant. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caesar's also put up some signs like, try a plate of chicken fingers or try our chicory coffee. And everyone wants those things. Luke just keeps pulling those down. I'm glad Caesar was successful. He was so worried about it. Yeah. Lorelai shows up and the two happily reunite and catch up. Meanwhile, Miss Patty has, like, purposefully positioned herself right next to the counter and is eyeing their conversation expectantly the entire time. And just the whole time, I'm like, Miss Patty, are you just, like, ready to jump in to talk about the wedding? And I'm right, but different than you think. She also is, says to Luke that she's still waiting on her cold banana. Love that. <laughs> Luke is excited that he and April seem to finally hit it off, and he's finally feeling a bit like an actual dad. In fact, he's going to be throwing her a birthday party tomorrow here at the diner. I have to say, this show, and especially this season, only really works because Luke as a character is just so emotionally unobservant and inept. Because every time he mentions April or Anna, Lorelai just wears her fucking emotions all over her face. Like, just spotlit on her face. She's just so clear, like, I don't like any of this situation. But Luke never notices. He's totally oblivious every time. Lorelai couldn't be more facially obvious about what she's feeling. But thank God, Luke cannot read emotions. <laughs> thank God. Yeah, because Lorelai's always like, oh, good. I am so happy about this. I am unaffected emotionally. And Luke's like, good. Good to know. 
Lorelai offers to help him with the party planning, though. But Luke declines. He's like, I got it. I can do it. When Lorelai doesn't order coffee, though, Luke's like, oh, that's right. You're battling a hangover. Lorelai's eyes get wide. She's like uncomfortable because she's like, oh, what does he know? Did Luke hear about the speech? Like, what happened? Uh Uh-oh, my toast was very regrettable. But then Miss Patty quickly jumps in to save her. Apparently, she told Luke that Lorelai did get drunk, but she didn't tell him anything about the toast. She told Luke that Lorelai ended up singing Endless Love, and that was what was super embarrassing. And she also somehow convinced the town to keep telling this lie to Luke so he doesn't find out. It's a big ask, I guess, but the whole town's like, all right, Miss Patty, we want them to work as a couple, so we won't tell Luke what happened, I guess. Lorelai's like, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later thanks Miss Patty for covering for her, and Miss Patty says, hey, it may take a mule team, but we're going to get him to the altar someday. I'm happy that Miss Patty is just like Lorelai's guardian angel right now. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, she has maybe crossed some lines in the past, like hiring a bunch of men to come bid on her, but... um... (laughs) I guess, as long as Luke doesn't find out the truth and find out that Lorelai went along with it. Yeah. It was nice of her to cover. Back at the hospital, Rory calls Paris, who, remember, is pre-med, to see if Paris can make sense of what Rory copied from Logan's chart. Again, the hospital can't tell her anything, but Rory can just walk around copying down people's charts. Okay. I want to see charts hang outside the rooms. Yeah, but, like, if someone was out there writing down stuff from a chart, again, a nurse should be like, hey, like, you shouldn't do that. We're not allowed to give out this information. Nowadays, you could just take a pic. Probably yeah. could have then, but it wouldn't have been a very good picture. Yeah. When Paris picks up the phone, she, of course, immediately just starts ranting about a test she has to take, but does start focusing on Rory right away when she realizes that it's serious. This is a nice moment for Paris, showing us that she can be a good friend. She's self-centered, narcissistic, and, like, too much, but she is a friend of Rory's and, like, can focus in on Rory when need be. This was nice because there was that time where Asher was in the hospital and Rory went and stayed with Paris. That's right. So she kind of owes her. Yeah, and she doesn't say, like, I owe you, though. She's just, like, is a good friend in this scene. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, though, Paris is unable to read charts yet. She hasn't learned how to do that. But instead, she asks Rory what the doctor's name is and then hangs up. Paris then calls the hospital. And now we don't hear what she says, but we see in the background a nurse answering the phone and you can tell Paris is like swearing at her and demanding to speak to the doctor. And then when the doctor answers the phone, like you can tell he's uncomfortable with whatever's being said. It seems like somehow she coerces the doctor into telling her all the details about Logan. It isn't clear if she's pretending to be Logan's mother, which to me would make sense. It seems more like she's, like, threatening him with something, just from what the doctor says. However, I I don't know what that is, but that seems to be what we're getting. I don't know what's actually happening. Whatever the case, the doctor spills the beans. Paris calls Rory back and just matter-of-factly tells Rory all the bad news. Logan was bleeding internally, but that's been resolved. They just had a bunch of surgery because he had a partially collapsed lung. Take that pin out of the lung. Yep. He's got six broken ribs, two torn knee cartilages, one torn ankle, and a severe concussion. A torn ankle? Is that what they say? I have town ankle written down, so I'm guessing. Oh, that's probably what they said. Yeah. Like I mentioned, they did do surgery to expand and drain the lung, all of which sounds horrible, and you can see Rory's shock. Again, Alex Bladell does such a great job in this scene of emoting. You can just see the shock on her face. But the doctors do think that Logan is out of danger and he will eventually make a full recovery. Again, if that's the, like, prognosis, I don't know why they couldn't have said that part to Rory. Like, again, we can't tell you about what happened, but we can tell you we think he's going to be okay. Yeah, I 
it seems like the doctor would just be a kind soul and be like, just chill, lady. It's going to be fine. I mean, that's not a kind soul thing to say, but <laughs> just to make her <laughs> just not a freak kind out. man. Chill out, lady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to put her mind at ease. Listen, I can't even tell you if he's going to live, but if it makes you feel better, you can walk around into anyone's room drawing mustaches on the sleeping patients. It's totally fine. <laughs> Hospital security is questionable in both of these episodes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lorelai and Luke are shopping in a part of Stars Hollow that I don't think we've ever seen. I wondered if it was a different town, but it could have been Stars Hollow. It could be a different town. They don't say they're in a different town, but they're shopping somewhere. Lorelai talks herself into thinking Luke has picked out all of her favorite clothes. It was like a weird line where he says he likes shopping with her and he likes to think he has an influence on her clothes. And she's like, no, no, no. I like lead you with my questions like this doesn't look good, right? Or like this looks good, right? And then you agree with me and then I get what I want. But then she says that sometimes she does get clothes that she doesn't love, but she knows he likes. And then she wears it because she likes how he feels and looks when she's wearing what he picked out for her, but then that makes her feel good. So then she ends up liking those clothes. So he does like influence what she wears. It was it was weird. She like talked herself into it. I don't know. Yeah, I just wrote down shopping mind games. <laughs> very <laughs> yeah. weird. I was like, is this like a metaphor for something? I don't know. They pass an absolutely beautiful cat-themed toiletry kit. <laughs> We see it? Not really. We see it for like a second. They're passing a window, you know, and in the window, there's a cat-themed toiletry kit. And Luke is just like, oh my God, that is the present for April for her birthday. No, Luke. It's not. Yeah, I know. He's like, it's perfect. And Laura's like, ah, yeah, I don't know about that. Like, she's a young girl. Maybe she doesn't want that. Like, maybe that's not for her. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I saw her use soap on the trip. Why were you watching her use soap? Did he share a room with her? Well, I mean, there's plenty of places to wash your hands. In public female restrooms? But that's not the only place you wash your hands. Like, I feel like when they were at that restaurant that was outside, there might have been, like, a common area to wash your hands. Sure. Did she whip out her own toiletry kit? I guess she doesn't have one. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, April seems like the kind of person who does wash a lot, maybe. She might be diligent about keeping clean. Paris used to bring her own soap to school, so. Yeah. But when he says that she used it soap, that was a very funny line. <laughs> like, I've seen her use soap. Lorelai does not doubt that she uses soap, but she suggests that might be better options for gifts for a young girl and that Lorelai might have a better idea of what a young girl might want. But Luke is like, nah, I, I want to do this. I think it's important that I do it. And she's like, okay, that's fine, but let me help you. And then he kind of like draws a line in the sand there. And he's like, no, I don't want you to help. And then he finally, 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 finally tells us, the audience, why Luke so strongly doesn't want Lorelai involved yet in April's life. And I, this is, like, what we've been waiting for since the first time he said this. Because, like, the whole time Lorelai's upset that she's not part of this part of Luke's life. And we don't really know why. Luke's just all like, I want to do this on my own. And we never get a justification for that. Finally, we get one. He says that Lorelai is just, like, so colorful and so friendly and so, like, wonderful with kids that kids just fall in love with her. And once she shows up, April's going to immediately, like, fall in love with Lorelai. And it's going to be all over for Luke. He's just going to be, like, forgotten about. He's not going to have a chance to, like, build a relationship with her because Lorelai's going to be the center of attention and affection. And he really wants a chance to, like, build that relationship with April before Lorelai comes in and just, like, sucks up all of the attention and love from his daughter. I guess that's fair. I feel like that is fair. I feel like he should have said that a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. 
I feel like Lorelai should have asked. Like, why can't I be part of the life? I, you know, I'm not. I'm here to help. I'm here to support you and your daughter. Like, I'm, I'm gonna be part of her life. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I can see Luke's point of view. But I was like, why didn't you tell her this earlier? Why didn't you tell us this earlier, please? I, we've been like scratching our head. Like, why is Luke doing this the whole I time? I think also just from like Anna's perspective, Luke is maybe concerned too. Like, oh, she's just gonna think she's coming here to hang out with Lorelai, and I'm just like this deadbeat dad that's there, and it's not really about me. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's kind of what happens. Yeah. So he's like, no, I got to do this my own. And then he buys that beautiful, wonderful toiletry that I wish I had. I could see if, like, April on the trip was like, man, I could really use a new toiletry kit. <laughs> but I <laughs> it didn't seem like that was the case. The next day at the party, Anna is dropping off April and mentions that April said that Luke was the least embarrassing parent on the trip, which is high praise from a teenage daughter. In fact, April and all of her friends are calling Luke Hagrid because he's a big, gentle, lovable man. It's funny because Luke is like, I, I don't know what any of that means. She's like, it's good, it's good, it's good. Connection to Buffy? The snitch. Because of the snitch? <laughs> it wasn't officially a snitch. But, but it was snitch-ish. It was, it was very snitchy. Yeah. And Anna's thing about, uh, you know, that being high praise from a daughter it makes sense because when she's leaving, she says goodbye to April and April's like, yeah, 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 bye, mom, bye. And I was like, oh, cool, yep, this is how daughters are. <laughs> I want to say... That it almost seemed flirty between Anna and Luke here. Am I imagining that? Is well, it- there was the moment where she was like, the diner looks great. I was yes. here when you opened it, remember? Exactly. I was going to say. I was she- like, did you guys have sex in the diner? Is yeah, that did when you April christen was conceived? it? Like, what? <laughs> it just seemed, especially that line when she's leaving, seemed a little flirty. I'm not sensing any flirtation from Luke. I'm not saying this is going to be a plot line, but it seemed a little flirty, and I didn't know if that was intentional or not. I don't know. But that last line, remember, I was here, like, that seemed flirty. I just don't like that. You know what I mean? It's just like, Anna, how about you and Chris, you guys go flirt somewhere else, okay? Why don't you guys go flirt? You guys should hook up, okay? Stop trying to mess up my ship, all right? Get off my ship. It's Luke and Lorelai or die. It's not Luke and Anna, okay? Bye-bye. See you later. They both have daughters. Yeah, great, cool. You mean Chris and Anna? Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. Luke and Lorelai also have daughters. Maybe they say, should just all do it together. No, 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 thruple. no, 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 no. Thruple? No, no. Amy's what? not going to let a thruple happen unless Kirk's involved. What's a, a four-person couple? Uh, perfect. <laughs> Guys, we're looking. <laughs> You've got to have uh, kids. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happening here. I'm just saying, I want Luke. Uh, can Anna and Chris just go be happy together somewhere else and just stop trying to ruin the show for everybody? No. Ugh. Anyway. So Anna leaves, and Luke's ready to get the party started, really get that party going. But first, he just wants to lay down a few, just a couple quick party ground rules before they get into the real fun, you know? Uh, Those ground rules become a regular, insane Luke rant about how they're not allowed to leave the party area at all because they might cut off their limbs, and also you can't go outside. Kind of kills the party mood immediately. Yeah, all the girls are just, like, scared of him. <laughs> yeah. He, like, ends it with, like, uh, are we clear? And the girls are, like, hilariously, like, okay, yeah, uh-huh, good. Yep, yep. yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's like, now go have fun. <laughs> Dude has become a little bit more Snape than Hagrid. That's what mm-hmm. you said. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think someone in the chat said that. You guys are funny. We got funny fans. We do have funny fans. I hate it. I don't want competition. I'm the funniest. You I, think you're the funniest? Funny. Of we're the equally funny. <laughs> On the podcast, I don't know. You might be funnier on the podcast. Buffy is a much more lampoonable show. I don't actually think I'm funnier than you. That's like the sweetest thing you've ever said. But I don't think you're funnier than me. Okay, now we need to talk. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're equally funny. It's so, I'm, we're, we're so functional. We have different strengths. 
At the end, Lorelai finds that, like Caesar, Michelle has added some personal touches to her business. The website for the inn is now just an interactive picture of Michelle's face. <laughs> you click on parts of his face to see parts of the inn? What? Huh? What? Okay. It, it's, yeah. This scene is very short. It's just for Lorelai to get a phone call. Roy just kind of tells her mom that what's going on with Logan and that Colin and Finn are getting her clothes. But then she's got to end the phone call because a nurse comes over and tells Rory that Logan's awake now. Again, what is this hospital's policy? We can't tell you anything, but we will have a nurse come get you. I guess that's not insane. I think it makes sense. If you're a, a doctor or a nurse, please weigh in. Specifically in a big city where maybe the security's different. I don't know. I, I know in small town hospitals, you could just kind of go wherever you want. But I don't think they would give you information unless you were family. Yeah. Logan is awake, but he looks like hell. He admits sheepishly that maybe uh, she was right about the whole uh, his stunt not being safe thing, and it was pretty dumb of him. Instead of dwelling on an I told you so, Rory assures Logan that he's going to be okay because this is basically the best hospital in the world. Is it, though? Is The policies are bizarre, so he's got nothing to worry about. Rory is in full caretaker mode, and it's, like I said, really nice. It's really nice to see her really care about Logan. Logan, for his part, doesn't want Rory to fall behind in classes or the paper because of him. He's like, you know, go do those things. Don't worry about me. But she insists that she can work from the hospital and she wants to be there for him. Meanwhile, back at the party, um, the party's bad. It's very bad. It's real bad. The girls are super bored. They're either in small groups silently playing cards or sitting alone, bored on their phone, or just like reading alone by themselves. They it's were on bad. their phone? What even was there to do on your phone in 2006? I don't know. Text people how bad things are? I don't know. For like 15 cents a text? Yeah. <laughs> really got to craft a good text because it costs money. Luke is stressing out because even he can tell that this party sucks. He's trying to fix it the only way he knows by like suggesting things that he can fix. Like, is it I could turn up the heat? Is it the heat? Is it too cold in here? Is that the problem? A shine girl asks if she could possibly go to the bathroom because Luke accidentally made the bathroom in the restricted zone. Then he thinks that's the problem. And also, this becomes, like, the most exciting activity of the whole day. He's like, who has to pee? Everybody? All right, let's get into a single file line and let's pee one at a time. <laughs> Luke then calls Lorelai from a storage room, asking her for help. He's still supervising the girls from the storage room because there's, like, a little peephole. It's super funny when Lorelai calls him out for, like, how weird and creepy that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> You're supervising them through a hole while they're lining up to pee? Okay. Lorelai tells him to play some pop music from his clock radio, and she'll be right over as soon as she can to make the party work. Lorelai shows up and just immediately fixes everything. She has the kids all grab hands, and then they head out to a store together, moving like a snake through the city, which they love, I guess. I guess that's fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that that would have tickled me as much when I was like 12 or 13, but maybe. Yeah, I don't know. The makeup part is fun. Yeah, well, this part is funny, too. When they all line up, April's like, oh, we already did the whole going to the bathroom thing. Yeah. She's like, no, this is something else. Lorelai takes them all to a makeup store. I think this is the one that Kirk worked at and also Jess's girlfriend. Yeah. It's the one makeup store in town. But there's two different employees there now. She hands each of the girls a basket and tells them to take whatever they want. Then they're getting makeovers. But, like, you and I talked about this. Who is paying for all this? That's a lot of money to tell the girls that you could just take whatever you want. Yeah. It's not that big of a store. This many girls are going to take everything. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like Lorelai maybe came here and prearranged this because the women are just uh -huh. kind of waiting there. Yeah, and they seem like in on what's happening. 
I think someone in the chat pointed out that Luke probably would be happy to fund this, considering he didn't seem to spend money on any other activities. Oh, absolutely. Luke is wealthy. They've set that up. Yeah, the person in the chat was right. I, I'm sure he was like, any amount of money to make this work, make this party a fun thing. But Lorelai still is kind of just assuming that. Yeah, it's assuming. A, I, I would be like, thank you, but like, that's a lot of money you just assumed I would pay. Whatever. The girls dig it. They are into it. They scream with excitement. <sighs> it's funnily timed. Brian thought it was very boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to yawn. It's early. He doesn't get the joy of makeup. The girls dig it. They scream with excitement. They don't yawn when Lorelai tells them about it. And the party is fixed. The makeovers are a huge hit. The party really takes off. Lorelai is walking around the party, talking to the girls, helping them with makeup. Luke is just replacing people's like empty chip bowls. It's like that's, that's his thing. That's what he knows how to do. Lorelai has a few moments with April painting her face. They chat for a little bit. Seems like, ooh, we're having some bonding until April says Lorelai reminds her of her mom. Is that a burp or is that just? That was me putting my finger in my mouth like I'm throwing up. Oh, I see. Lorelai does not react super well to Anna being brought up. But luckily, April is Luke's child. So she does not recognize any of Lorelai's emotions. One of the girls has painted eyes on the outside of her eyelids. Yeah. Just like that beautiful aquamarine sexy demon in Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, another connection. It made me think of that. And then it's weird because the little girl's talking to Lorelai and she's like, you can't be April's mom. She's got this evil laugh. you can't be not April's mom. (laughs) You want it to be the way it used to be. Yeah, that girl should be in the restricted zone for sure. (laughs) The restricted zone. Later, when it's time to open presents, April goes to open Luke's present. Luke's like, uh, well, maybe we shouldn't do that. Let's, let's open, why don't you open my present tomorrow? We should save some for tomorrow. He's obviously embarrassed that Lorelai was for sure right about his present sucking. And April's going to be not excited about it. And he's going to be embarrassed. But Lorelai replaced Luke's dumb gift with a fun science book and a gift card to the Discovery Store. Things that April loves. So when she opens it and sees that, she's so excited. And she gives Luke a huge energetic hug. And Luke thanks Lorelai for obviously being right. When did she do that? Yeah, I don't know. She did a lot of things quick. When he was replacing chips, I guess. I don't know. Like She went out and bought that book? I would argue that it's possible she did this before the party. She, like, knew his gift sucked anyway. Maybe. It is kind of presumptuous to replace the gift, especially when he was, like, telling her not to help him. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's super presumptuous and, like, maybe, like, shitty to do to betray your partner's trust by doing that a little bit. But in the same token, she is, like, absolutely right. Her instincts are just, like, dead on. So, like, I don't know. Really quick, it's already late. It's, like, dark outside. It's got to be almost time for this party to end. And then Lorelai suggests we should just make it into a big slumber party, which the girls all love. So they call their parents and they all agree. Like everyone's parents is like, yeah, okay, you can just sleep over. I was about to come pick you up, but make it an all night thing in a diner where some guy I've never met is supervising y'all. Like, yeah, and Lorelai says he has sleeping bags, but does he have like 15 sleeping bags? Exactly. They don't have sleep stuff. Well, they do. There is a toiletry kit somewhere. <laughs> One toothbrush. Uh, meanwhile, the, while this is going on, Kirk is setting up a projector so they can all watch Pretty in Pink. That was the other thing. Like, they were planning on doing a movie before it was a sleepover? Like, how long is this party? Exactly, exactly. The movie was decided before they decided it was a sleepover. Yeah, maybe there was just, like, a movie's length amount of time left for the party. I don't know. There is a fun line, too, where Luke tells them to form a single file line to use the phone. 
But right as he says that, he sees that all the girls are already calling their parents on their cell phones. Yeah. Oh, okay. You could use your own. Luke asks Lorelai to stay over to help with the sleepover. She's like, sure, sure. He then sleeps in the storage room and has the girls sleep upstairs, like in his bedroom, like his his house. Yeah. Luckily, his apartment is dog-proof, so it's probably small daughter-proof. They're not that small. When he's, like, going to bed, it's also funny because you can hear the girls play light as a feather, stiff as a board. (laughs) Did you ever play that growing up? Maybe, like, one time, but I was older. If you guys don't know what that is, it's like... um, No, I think I played it with Atlas, which was the improv group Brian and I were in in Wisconsin fully mm -hmm. as adults. It's it's like a fake, like, like magic thing you can do. The idea is that you, you, you each put a finger under a person and you, like, chant, like, as if it is stiff as a board. There's also, like, other things you could do, like, morbid talking about dying stuff. It's supposed to be, like, kind of, like, spiritual, supernatural, like, little magic game you can play. And then you all lift up the person with one finger each. And the idea is it seems like they're levitating. The truth is, the science is, is that, yeah, you can each, if you're all pushing at the same time with one finger, if you're all doing it and there's a bunch of you, you're not actually lifting that much weight. I wonder how many people it takes for it to be easy, though. Like 10? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, But you all have to do it at the same time. And it feels like the person doesn't weigh that much because you're all pushing at the same time. And the trick is you have to do it at the same time. If you do it, like, if you sort of try to do it without, like, a chant that, like, puts you all in the same, like, rhythm, you can't do it. But if you all do it at the same time, it's like, oh, it's like they don't weigh anything. Yeah. Anyway, curious if you guys had heard about that. I remember as a kid, I was, like, told, you don't play that. It's like the devil. wasn't the devil. It was just gravity and physics. The next day, Lorelai talks to Suki about how much fun she had at the party and how she and April bonded. And now she thinks that she and Luke are finally past that part of their relationship and she can finally share the April part of Luke's life with Luke. It's great. Everything's solved. No problems. But Anna finds Luke at the diner and is furious that he invited Lorelai to the party. It's a woman that she doesn't know, and she's pissed that when he was asleep in the storage room, the girls were alone with essentially a stranger upstairs all night. How is she going to explain that to the parents? But I'm like, the parents seem pretty chill. The parents are like, sleepover? Sure, she could sleep at some random dude's diner. That doesn't bother me. My question is, was April going to stay over at Luke's anyway? Because, like, what did they tell Anna when they called her? Right. I mean, maybe she just assumed it was Luke. Didn't right. find out about the Lorelai part till later. That's a good question. I also love this scene. It starts with a man being like, oh, there's glitter in my pancakes at the diner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also just want to say the scene with Lorelai and Suki, Lorelai has snagged some Bonnie Bell lip smackers for Suki, and they sort of like revert to being teenagers for a second. And she's like, yeah. Jackson's so getting under my bra tonight. And they just start like giggling like little girls. And the scene just ends that way. It was, it was just like a fun hard cut to the diner after that. It was. Yeah, honestly, I think more parents would be cool with their daughters staying with a random woman than a random man. I mean, some of them know Luke because he just chaperoned the trip. But also, I feel like being like, yeah, a girl was alone with him in a room, but the guy was downstairs. Like, I don't, that doesn't sound that. I mean, I guess Lorelai could be like a total deadbeat and not actually supervise them, you know? Some of the girls maybe also told their parents who the adults were when they called yeah. to ask about the sleepover. I bet some of the parents would have asked who's there. Yeah. Luke said it had been like, listen, Miss Patty will talk to all your parents and she'll smooth this all out. <laughs> so that night, Luke goes over to Lorelai's for dinner and she's excited. I think that their, you know, relationship is finally going to be repaired. But he kind of ruins date night by just telling Lorelai that Anna was pissed and feels like he betrayed her trust. Lorelai apologizes, but it says it's not her fault. It's his fault for not thinking it through. And that's where that scene ends. And it's just sad. 
He's like, I'm going to get some beer, and then we're going to be sad together, I guess. Yeah. Back at the hospital, Rory gets a hold of Honor, finally, who is th- – this is weird. She says that she's cutting her honeymoon short to come see Logan. She says, with mom freaking out, I don't want to be here anymore. What, what does that mean? Um, I'd have to rewatch it. I don't remember what she, she said. She says, with mom freaking out, I don't want to be here anymore. Well, she's not in the same place as her mom, so it's not like her mom's bothering her by being there with her. That line suggests that it isn't Logan's, like, state that is making Honor want to return home. It's the fact that her mom is, like, having a meltdown, that she wants to come home. But not even, like, mom's freaking out, so I want to go be with mom. She's just like, yeah, I want my honeymoon to be over because mom's having a mental breakdown. Maybe she just meant since their parents are being deadbeats, she's distracted about how Logan's not being taken care of enough. I don't know. I also feel like Logan wouldn't want her to cut her honeymoon short. Like, she's not like she's going to come take care of him. Exactly. And it, and Logan isn't dying. At this point, Logan is, like, conscious. You'd think he'd be like, hey, I'm just so you know, I am fine. Enjoy the rest of your honeymoon. Let's talk afterwards. To be fair, they're rich enough to go on another honeymoon in, like, a week. Sure. Honor informs Rory that Mitchum does know about what happened and is home, but he's not coming because he resents that Logan hasn't grown out of his stupid life and death brigade stunt phase yet, like he did at some point when he was young. So he's boycotting seeing Logan. So then boss Rory emerges. She calls Mitchum and leaves a message telling him that although his sycophant employees won't say it, him not coming to see his injured son makes him a narcissistic ass and someone needs to tell him so she's going to do it. And he should swallow his pride, get in his car, and come see his son now. Ooh. That line was awesome. I loved it. I was like, yeah, Rory, just call him again. Leave some more messages. This is, this is I love this. I think she was talking to him live, too. Really? I thought she left a message. I'm not sure. It starts with her saying, like, hi, yeah, this is Rory Gilmore. Perhaps. I, I also feel like Mitchum is maybe someone who doesn't answer his phone. Sure. I think she called him from Logan's phone, so it's hard to say if he would have picked up or not. So, yeah, that is a good question. I don't know. I, I felt it was a voicemail, but it, it was not cl- – we didn't hear, like, a beep. So it could very well have been him. You may be right. He gets the message, and later we see him enter the hospital, and he and Rory share a silent, meaningful look, and then she gestures kind of angrily to Logan's room. Yeah, that was just, like, a five-second scene. <laughs> yeah, it's so quick. And then you can tell he's super uncomfortable, but he just, like, kind of, like, almost nods at her and then walks into Logan's room. After he leaves, Rory visits Logan, who is surprised his dad actually showed up. Rory apologizes for letting Logan even go on this trip. She didn't try to stop him, she says, because she was mad at him. She was, like, trying to punish him. And she now realizes that she almost lost him because of it. But, like, girl, this was not your fault at all. Logan's trip was badly planned, and that was not your fault. You told him it was badly planned. He did not listen to you. You're not his fucking babysitter. Yeah, and I mean, he tells her that much, that she shouldn't blame herself for this. He was going to go anyway. Yeah, I just, I get how she feels guilty, but like, girl, it wasn't your fault at all. (laughs) Right. You've done some things that have been your fault, Rory, for sure, but this is not one of those things. She was definitely being cold to him and in a mood, and like, maybe if they were in a better place, he would have like, listened to her more when she said, hey, maybe don't do this. Well, she could have, she could have told him in a not angry way, hey, like, I don't, you need to be careful. Right. But again, that's not shoulda, coulda, woulda. Like, it's not her fault. There was like that two-second scene where he was like packing and telling her he was going to go. Almost like he was waiting for her to be like, don't, but. Right, yeah. That scene was weird. He maybe was just waiting for her to like show some affection before he leaves the country. A kiss or something. But since they showed that, I think we're maybe to believe that that was her last chance to tell him it was a bad idea. Yeah. But again, not her fault. His fault for thinking it was a good idea. 
But he puts no blame on her. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the scene is not about him being like, yeah, it was your fault. He's like, no, it was totally my fault. My mistake. Then Logan has this weird line that I'm not quite sure how to interpret. He says he doesn't know what's going on with him right now, but he'll get better. He just needs time. It's because he's not family. The doctors haven't told him what's wrong with him. (laughs) We can only tell your family. We can't tell you. (laughs) I don't know what's going on with me. They said I'll get better. The doctors said they'll tell my family, but they won't tell me. Also, random people have been just coming in this room, taking (laughs) pictures of me. There was a man sleeping in the corner. I don't know what's going on. What is this hospital's deal? Okay, but this thing he says, okay, the way I feel like I'm interpreting this is that this is about his, like, behavior and attitude lately, not his, like, injuries or anything. This is about, like, how he's, like, got this cognitive dissonance of, like, telling Rory, like, things are good, but, like, things aren't good. Like, about, like, the end of the year, him traveling and him, like, getting drunk all the time, that kind of stuff. Like, him trying to deal with his future through, like, really dumb stunts and drinking. Yeah, I think he's in a weird place where he's facing adulthood very soon, but isn't dealing with that very well. Yeah, but I'm kind of like, will you get better? What's going to happen is you're just going to eventually run into these real life issues and you're going to have to deal with them. Yeah. Will you be better then or will you just like spiral when that happens? You're purposely ignoring the reality in your future and not planning for it. That's not good, man. The two seem to make up and Rory places his hair. I know it's a small thing, but I I thought it was a nice little touch. Brian likes his hair being played with. I do. Not my hair. I like Logan's hair being played with. <laughs> I like the scene. I like seeing her concern for Logan. It pulls at my heartstrings. Yeah, I, I liked it. We get one more scene where Lorelai finally visits Anna at her store. She's like, hi, we're the same person. Yeah. You auditioned to be me. Lorelai visits Anna at the store and explains that it was her fault, not Luke's, that it became a stranger chaperone sleepover. So be mad at her, not Luke. Anna explains that she has to be careful with Luke introducing a girlfriend or mother figure like Lorelai to April because there's no way of ensuring that Lorelai will stay in April's life. April might grow attached to Lorelai, and then Lorelai and Luke might break up, and then Lorelai will leave Anna's life forever, which would be, like, traumatizing to April. I just want to point out that this is something I predicted, that Anna might have these feelings about Lorelai. You did. Also, Lorelai tries to take all the blame here, but it's just as much Luke's fault. Yeah, totally. But I guess Anna's thing makes sense. The only thing about this that I didn't love is she's like, yeah, you're just engaged. You're not married. But when you're married, we can talk and then figure this out. But, like, people break up all the time when they're engaged, which is fair. Lorelai does break up when she's engaged. But, I mean, people can get divorced, too. Yeah. So it's like, what, does that really gonna seal the deal forever? But Lorelai sort of, like... Gets her point because Anna's like, yeah, April doesn't meet the men I date. And Lorelai also had that policy that she like kept her yeah. love life from Roy or maybe just like didn't date for like 12 years. I-, I don't mean this next part is a joke, but it's a lot like when Rory tried explaining her and Logan's relationship to the hospital staff <laughs> where she's like this. It's this is not a casual thing. Like we are together. We are bonded. And yes. like the hospital. And I was like, OK, well, you say that. But like unless you're married, I, I don't recognize this relationship. Yeah. Anna does say that maybe when they get married, they can talk about Lorelai being part of April's life. She says she's not trying to be cruel. She just wants to follow her gut to keep April safe from undue pain. Lorelai says she understands and starts to leave. And then Anna says, like, hey, if it's any consolation, April said she had a really great time at the party. That's the end of the episode. Was it a good episode, Stacey? Um, I don't think it was in any way a bad episode, but I don't think it was like a standout. Holy cow, that was a great episode. Right. Like, the stuff with Rory and Logan was nice. 
And yeah. it was cool to see her tell off Mitchum and have it work. That's the highlight of the episode, that phone call and then him showing up. Oh, my God. Oh, I loved it. And I really liked them making up in the way they did, like because they were in a bad place, which was understandable. He did something shitty, and then she was being shitty, and then this tragedy is bringing them back together, it seems. And I enjoyed all the the April party stuff. Like, that was kind of fun. Lorelai, we didn't say this, but she, like, was all done up with, like, poofy hair and different makeup. Yeah, at the party. Like, I don't know. The the party was fun. And it was it was fun to see her, like, save the day. I don't know. The Anna stuff's kind of a bummer, but it's realistic. I don't know. That's what's so great about this show is, like, it's never really obvious who's right and who's wrong. I feel like you can always see it from people's perspectives, and it just makes sense. Yeah, the show does a good job of that. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. I agree with your assessment that it wasn't one of those episodes where you're just like, wow, amazing. But it was a good episode for a lot of reasons. It did have, like every Gilmore episode, it's got a, a plenty of very funny parts. Not the funniest episode, very funny parts. And it's finally explaining some of the plot stuff we've been like sitting on all season. Why is Luke not letting Lorelai into the relationship with April? Like, why are we not doing that? Now we know. Now we know why Anna doesn't want Lorelai to be part of the relationship. And I loved Rory's concern for Logan that seemed genuine, pulled on the heartstrings. I liked that. And that, like, comeuppance for, I'm going to say comeuppance all day, for Mitchum, not really comeuppance, but, like, getting Rory to turn the tables on him and be, like, yelling at him. Loved that. So I thought it was a good episode, but it, it, it wasn't, like, a standout episode. Although that Mitchum call, I could watch that and repeat a couple of times. <laughs> so which episode do you think was better? I think Buffy was better. Me too. I think... It was just a way bigger Buffy. Like, for the end of the season, this was a fairly tame, drama-wise, Gilmore Girls. Yeah. The Anna blowing up at Luke and Lorelai kind of confronting her about, not confronting her, but, you know, speaking nicely to her about it was some drama mm. that seems like it'll cause some problems going forward. But, like, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, what did, what did Emily just do? That type of episode, you know? Yeah. But it was a nice, pleasant, enjoyable episode for the most part. Yeah. But, yeah, Buffy was just, like, a bigger deal huge turning point for a major character yeah and i i just think buffy was better just so much more drama so much more like holy shit holy shit holy shit and buffy they went in the desert i mean yeah you can't beat that we saw an eye pop out a man gets skinned alive if that would have happened in gilmore girls it would have been a different story it would have been a different show gilmore (laughs) like where is gilmore girls going i told you not to go in the restricted zone (laughs) (laughs) okay well If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 21, Driving Miss Gilmore. As well as Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 21, Two to Go. One down, two to go. But also two episodes to go. That's a good title. Yeah, it is. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. What do you think the Scoobies should do with Warren? What would you do with Warren? I mean, before Willow killed him. (laughs) Do you think it was wrong of Lorelai to replace the birthday present? Do you think Anna overreacted or do you think she has a really good point? Do you think Willow should have covered Tara's body or something? Why did her hair change color? What's Clem's deal? How do you kill Clem? But why are you guys trying to kill Clem? Listen, we've got to figure out a way to kill Clem. (laughs) I love Clem. Keep him around. Have you guys ever done any trials? What'd you get? Yeah. Are there trials out there? Can we do some? Just explain what are trials, guys. Like, what are these? 
Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode descriptions in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Let's just go to the hospital right now. Yeah, let's see how far we can get. Just see what we could do. I mean, could we just live there? Like, could we just eat people's food? Like, walk in if they're sleeping, eat their food, go to sleep I, in another I, one? I don't think we would get away with that very long, though. No. Speak for yourself. Okay. I'm saving on rent. I'm living in New York for free. (laughs) (laughs) Hospital's a great place to be all the time. Yeah.